Chapter 2. Shaping a Dream Family life over the next few years was a little tough. My mom and dad got divorced, and my mom was forced to raise her two sons on her own. It's weird. I remember the KISS concert and my first drum set like it was yesterday, but I have no recollection of my father ever living in the house with us. To be honest, the next couple of years are a bit hazy. Like I said, things were tough, especially for my mom. Barbara Casada was the best mom anyone could ever ask for. She did everything for her two boys after my father left. We never had much money growing up, and my father rarely gave us anything or even saw us. We did see him on an occasional birthday or holidays like Christmas, but even then it wasn't a guarantee. My mom was always fighting with my father to give more. Not for herself, she never wanted anything from him, but for her sons. All she ever wanted was for him to take care of us, but he never really did. It was a constant struggle for my mom. My brother and I both went to Catholic grammar school in Brooklyn, run by nuns. I remember being called into the office almost every month during the first and second grade. Once I got to the office, the principal, who was a nun named Sister Marie, just so you know, I could have written a whole chapter on this witch. We'll get back to her later. Sister Marie would ask me, Do you know why you were called to the office, Joseph? No, I have no idea, I would reply. She would then explain to me that my parents didn't pay the tuition and that soon I wouldn't be allowed to go to class or to see my friends ever again if they didn't pay immediately. I'm not sure that I ever really understood exactly what she meant. I don't think I grasped the concept of money or even knew what tuition was. Looking back, I realized that was a horrible thing to do to a little seven-year-old kid. She was basically trying to terrify me so I would go home crying and tell my parents to pay the tuition or I would be kicked out of school and never see my friends again. But it never worked. Even at that age, I knew when someone was trying to manipulate me. This same scenario repeated itself over the next few years. And this is exactly what started my hatred and horrible relationship with the only person I've ever truly hated in my life, Sister Marie. My mom struggled even with basic bills. We were constantly having our gas, electric, and phone services turned off. It was really hard. I remember nights when it was freezing in our house because we had no heat. Again, I'm not sure I really understood why we had no heat and lights but I knew that it was crushing my mom to have to live like this. She was always crying and upset. But even through all of this, we still loved each other and always had fun together. When things got really hard, my grandparents, my mother's parents, would come and stay with us for a few months. They lived in a little apartment on Carmine Street in Greenwich Village in Manhattan. When they stayed with us, I think we would live off their social security checks, but I'm not really sure. They were always good to us, and I loved them very much. I was named after my grandfather, Giuseppe Tadonio. Giuseppe is Joseph in Italian. He was the sweetest, kindest man I ever knew. All he ever wanted was a glass of wine and a cigarette. I remember hearing that my grandfather played the drums when he was younger too, but I can't really say for sure. He came over from Sicily when he was 12 years old and eventually became a well-known butcher in Greenwich Village. My grandmother, Angelina Tadonio, on the other hand, was a crazy, hot-headed old Italian lady that would fight with everyone in the neighborhood. She was a seamstress who could sew or patch anything. 
She was constantly crocheting and making things around the house, including blankets, pillows, doilies, and so much more. I'm not even sure exactly what a doily is to this day, but I remember my mom referring to everything my grandmother ever made for the tops of our furniture as doilies. What the hell is a doily exactly, anyway? My grandmother also crocheted hundreds of dresses for dolls that she would then donate to the church every year. I think if we asked her to crochet us a car, she probably could have done it. My grandparents were great, and they helped us get through a lot of tough times. Even though we didn't really have money to do much, we always found a way to make it work. One summer, when my cousins Joey and Jody were visiting from Boston, we wanted to go to the movies to see Friday the 13th Part 3. Yes, I was only 8 years old and was allowed to go see Friday the 13th. (laughs) Times were different back then. My mom even took me to see Scarface in the movie theater when I was 9. Great flick for a (laughs) 9-year-old. Not really. Anyway... We wanted to go to the movies, but we didn't have enough money. But we did have a giant jug of pennies in our hallway. So one day we cracked that open so we could all go. Back in those days, you had to hand roll each dollar of pennies before the bank would trade them in for dollar bills. There were no automatic machines to just dump change into. I think we started rolling pennies on Friday afternoon and finally had enough money for movie tickets by Saturday afternoon. We struggled, but we made it work. We always had a great time and a loving family. In the fall of 1981, I was shopping in Kings Plaza Mall with my family where my brother and I always went to Sam Goody on the second floor to check out all of the new albums. Danny was five years older than I was and I looked up to everything he did, especially music. Anything he told me about a band or a musician, I took as absolute law. If he told me Randy Rhodes was the fastest guitar player in the world, then it was definitely true. I didn't really have any interest in any other band but Kiss, so I would always sprint over to the K section of the records. I was slowly closing in on owning every Kiss album, but still was missing a few. Being only seven at the time, it was still hard to come up with enough money to buy an album. I couldn't wait to get to the mall because I'd been saving and finally had enough money to buy another Kiss record. As I was excitingly looking through the options... I came across something that definitely wasn't there last time. Back in the 80s, it was hard to find out when new records were being released. You either had to know someone who bought it, or you had to go to the record store to see for yourself. When I woke up that morning, I'd never dreamed a new Kiss album would be out. Sure enough, though, in my hands was an album with a picture of a hand knocking on a giant wooden door. It had the Kiss logo in the corner, but to my astonishment... There was no picture of the band on either the front or the back. This had me worried. What should I do? This was a major life-altering decision for a seven-year-old. Do I buy an album that I still needed, like Hotter Than Hell or Dynasty? Or do I buy this new unknown album called Music From The Elder? I couldn't even be 100% sure this was a real Kiss album. I'd been to record stores near my grandparents' house in Greenwich Village, and... They had something called bootlegs. I remember going to a store called It's Only Rock and Roll. It was almost like its own Kiss store, and they had hundreds of bootlegs. So I wasn't even sure if this record I was holding was real or not. I'd bought a few of those bootlegs before, and I was extremely disappointed in the sound quality. What do I do? I ran over to my brother to ask for his advice. After all, I thought he knew everything there was to know about music, 
and he was the one who introduced me to Kiss in the first place. After explaining to him my dilemma about being afraid it wasn't a real Kiss album, we came up with a pretty good plan. Since my brother had his Sony Walkman, I would buy the cassette copy of The Elder. Then, as soon as we left the store, I would immediately test it in his Walkman. Even though I didn't really want the cassette because all of my other Kiss albums were on vinyl, I agreed with the plan. If it sounded like a bootleg, I would just return it and buy Dynasty instead. I made my purchase and opened the cassette outside of Sam Goody excitedly. To my joy, the first song, The Oath, kicked in, and it sounded fantastic. This was now the first cassette I'd bought or even ever owned. Back in the 80s, my two favorite possessions were my Sony Walkman and my small boombox radio. I went everywhere with one of them, and now I had a store-bought cassette to play in them. The Elder was much different than any other Kiss album I had, but it was still amazing in its own right. I think anything that had the Kiss name on it back then would have blown my mind. While still in the mall, I began reading the inside of the cassette cover and I saw something that put me into a state of shock. Under the band listing, it said, Paul Stanley guitar vocals, Gene Simmons bass vocals, Ace Frehley lead guitar vocals, and Eric Carr drums vocals. What? Who was this Eric Carr and where was Peter Chris? I needed to know more immediately. But how? I ran to the newsstand that was located in the center of the mall to see if they had any magazines featuring Kiss. Of course, I didn't have any money to buy one, but I thought I could at least look through a few to see if I could find out any information on this mysterious drummer named Eric Carr. To my utter disappointment, there were no magazines with Kiss stories. In 1981, it wasn't very cool to like Kiss, so magazines didn't include much coverage on them. I strolled home, lagging behind my mother and brother. I needed to see what Eric Carr looked like. Did he look like Peter Chris? Did he look different? Did he even wear makeup? Listening to the Elder from then on was a totally different experience. I was constantly imagining what this Eric Carr looked like. What kind of drum set he had. Everything sounded super superb that he played on. From the pounding double bass in the Oath to the complex instrumental Escape from the Island. In a strange way, this mysteriousness got me even more into Kiss than I'd ever been before. One song in particular had a big impact on me. It was the last song on the album called I. The lyric was something that I would live by for many years to come. Actually, it's something that still follows me today. It went, I believe in me, and I believe in something more then you can understand. Yes, I believe in me. Over the years, I would always sing it to myself whenever someone told me to give up on my dreams. It was over a year before I finally saw what the mysterious new drummer looked like. It happened on another fateful day of going to the mall with my mom and my brother. It was the same routine. My mom went off shopping, even though I think she mostly just took us there for the day to get out of the house seeing as how she didn't really have any money to shop for herself. After breaking off from our mom, Dan and I sprinted to Sam Goody once again. Upon entering the store, Dan went left and I went right, straight for the K section. I definitely wasn't expecting anything special that day. I was just excited to look through all the albums. I had no money to even buy one to fill my collection. 
Sure enough, when I was looking through all of the Kiss albums, there was nothing different. After about 20 minutes or so, I met back up with Dan, who was looking at some Judas Priest records. He, like almost everyone else on the planet, didn't really like Kiss anymore. On the way out of the store, very nonchalantly, my brother asked, Hey, what's that? Where? I responded. He pointed to the side of the store where they had some new releases. That's when I saw it. The image that had been eluding me for over a year. I jetted, another term from back in the early 80s, as fast as I could over to the rack and grabbed the album. It was beautiful. It had a purple-blue glow with the four kiss faces on it. Paul, Gene, Ace, and who I was assuming was Eric. He looked awesome. I didn't really know what he was supposed to be, but I knew he looked super cool. The letters in the upper right-hand corner said, Creatures of the Night. I couldn't believe what I was holding. Not only was it a picture of Eric Carr, but it was a new Kiss album. But wait! I had no money to buy it, and neither did my brother. Oh no, I said. Panic mode set in. I had to find my mom to see if she had any money at all. I could not, would not leave the mall without that album. I went to the counter and said to the salesperson, please hold on to this. I'll be right back to buy it. He looked at me like I was crazy and said, kid, there are a hundred of these on the shelf. Nobody is buying the new Kiss album. Trust me. I got so angry and I made him hold on to it anyway. My brother and I booked out of Sam Goody in search for my mother. Booked or book it was another slang term back in the 80s to run fast. Even my brother thought I was crazy. He had no choice but to follow me because I was going as fast as I could to find my mom before all of the Kiss albums were gone. We finally found my mom outside of her favorite woman's clothing store in the mall, Joyce Leslie. I explained to her all about the Kiss album, about seeing Eric Carr for the first time, and how I would die if I didn't have that album to bring home today. My mom, without hesitation, went into her bag and gave me $10. She knew how much it meant to me. That's just who my mom was. It was probably her last $10, money she was hoping to use to buy something for herself. Instead, she gave it to me for the new Kiss album. She would do anything for her sons. When I got home, I don't think I left my room for the next 20 hours straight. All I did was listen and stare at that cover, more specifically at Eric Carr's face. The sound of Eric playing the drums on Creatures of the Night was the biggest, most thunderous sound I'd ever heard. After hearing that, I knew my small, now semi-broken drum kit was not going to cut it anymore. The drum set that I got for Christmas a few years earlier was in pretty bad shape at this point. It was falling apart and barely usable. I just had to get a new kit. My birthday wasn't too far off and I begged my mom for a new kit. I told her I wouldn't ask for anything for the next five birthdays and Christmases if I could just have a new drum set so I could practice and sound like Eric Carr. I have no idea how she did it, but sure enough, on my ninth birthday, I got a brand new drum set. I believe she somehow tortured or maybe even threatened my father to somehow give her money so she could buy the drums. There was nothing my mom hated more than having to ask my father for anything. But in this case, I think she swallowed her pride so she can make her son's birthday perfect. And perfect it was. 
When I woke up that morning, I went into one of our spare rooms to find a burgundy red five-piece shock drum set. In my house in Brooklyn, we had two empty rooms on the first floor that we called our spare rooms. When my dad lived with us, he semi-finished our gigantic attic and made it into two very large bedrooms, one for my mom and dad and the other one for me and my brother. The two rooms on the first floor were our old bedrooms that were eventually supposed to be fixed up. Once my dad left, he never came back to do anything with those old rooms or even finish the new ones. So the whole time I lived in my house, we basically had two rooms we didn't use. I found a few good uses for them over the years, making the first one my new drum room. When I saw my new drum set, my heart was immediately filled with all the happiness in the world. My mom came through for me like she always did. I guess my father didn't want her to get all the credit, so he made sure he showed up that day with his brother, my Uncle Charles, to set up the drums. My Uncle Charles was a really good guitar player who also played drums. He always told us stories about how he used to jam with the band Twisted Sister when he was younger. I always thought of him as some kind of a celebrity because of this. I used to think, wow, someone who actually made it in the music business. I guess that in my little kid brain, jamming with Twisted Sister meant you made it. (laughs) It didn't even bother me that my father was there to take credit for the drums. Nothing was going to spoil this day. The day that marked the moment I could begin my training to sound like Eric Carr. My uncle proceeded to set up the drums and then he showed me how to tune them. Tune them, I asked. I had no idea drums even needed to be tuned. I thought that was only for guitars and stuff. As soon as they were ready and tuned, I sat behind the set and started to play the Kiss song, I Love It Loud, from Creatures of the Night. Well, at least I thought I was playing it. I have a feeling it was pretty bad. I quickly realized that this was nothing like the little kitty kit that I had when I was five. This was much harder to control and to maneuver. That was okay, because nothing was going to stop me now that I had my new drum set and my Creatures of the Night album to practice to. I would work day and night until I was as good as Eric Carr, and nothing would distract me or throw me off my course. Or so I thought.